I wanted to uh, tell you what's going on um, so you kind of know where we're at, okay? First, let's talk about the block party, all right? In your bulletin, you have something like this, okay? You might have also picked up one of these. This was kind of all the summer events on one postcard. We're down to just the block party now. Uh, I was talking with a friend this week, and uh, I've had a few people say, you know, we, we don't have a leader. We're trying to kind of hold things together. We don't have a lead pastor. We do have a leader, don't we? Yeah, we do have a leader. The Holy Spirit is so thick. He's, so, he's done such amazing work for us, with us. He's going to keep working through us. Um, but why would we do this? And we're, you know, honestly, we're trying to watch finances, and this is an investment. So why would we do this? So I was talking to my friend this week, and she said, I've been working on a coworker, working on a coworker. She's been sharing Jesus. She's been sharing what Jesus has done in, in her life with her coworker. And she said she's a little freaked out to come to church, but she'll come to this. That's why we're doing this, right? That's why we're making this investment. It's because you might have somebody in your life who says, yeah, I don't know about church yet, but bounce house, yes, I will be there for that, okay? Or axe throwing or car show or food trucks, whatever, whatever it is that brings them to this, they'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll come into the parking lot of the church. I'll meet some nice church folks. And all of a sudden, my, maybe my walls start coming down a little bit. I'm feeling a little more comfortable about this Jesus thing. Because those people were pretty nice at that block party. Okay? So, again, if we all come, it's going to be really fun. If we come and we bring our neighbors and we bring our coworkers and we bring our family members, it's going to be incredible. All right? So that is, oh, there was a, probably a thing up there. So you see on here, there's inflatables. We got axe throwing this year, you guys. What in the world? What kind of church does axe throwing in their parking lot? <laughs> Sign me up, man. That sounds awesome. Um, we have uh, period knocker ball is bringing archery tag. So you might get shot while you're here. You should just come. It's going to be great, okay? Um, there's a video game trailer, basketball, food trucks. We're going to do a car, truck, and bike show this year, so motorcycles. So rather than touch a truck, um, we're gonna have all these incredible trucks and cars and bikes. Uh, Gordon Rhodes bringing an uh, old tractor. So if you have a cool bike, motorcycle, if you, I'm gonna bring my scooter, cause that's so cool. And if you, uh, if you have a car or a truck, we'd love for you to bring that. Um, I'd love to know that you're bringing that. That would be very helpful, okay? So all of this is out of the Welcome Center. You can do that. We have probably maybe 12 slots left for helpers. You've been incredible about that and I appreciate it. I'm gonna text you this week because what you signed up for isn't necessarily where you're gonna be, but you're gonna love where I put you, okay? <laughs> So I will text you so you know exactly where you're going to be, what time, so you know what to do. Okay, so expect that text from me. And if you haven't signed up and you say, you know what, I can give a half an hour. We're just doing half an hour slots. I can give half an hour. Would you visit the Welcome Center today and sign their highlighted for you, just the open spots we have? That would be really helpful. Okay, so that's the block party. Other thing I wanted you to know what's going on. Will you grab your bulletin real quick? If you haven't looked this up online, will you look this bulletin up? We're just going to go through this real quick. On the back of this, this would be the last week for this for a little bit until we progress a little bit farther of where we're at in the pastoral search. I know uh, on the communication card, a lot of you have put like what's happening, you know, what's, what's next steps, that kind of thing. So if you read through here, um, our district superintendent wrote this for us, so it's really helpful in kind of what the process is. And so as you read through, you'll see kind of we're in this together, what's, what's next in the process, uh, step one, step two, step three. We are on step four. So 
the church pastoral staff and the church board filled out these surveys. They came from the district office to all these different questions about what kind of leader we're looking for, what kind of thing, uh, what kind of things we feel like is really important. Like um, most of those, because I got to see a few of the results, most of the people said it's really important that we're in the community. We feel that, don't we? We all feel that. And so I love that, that that was part of those survey answers. As part of that survey, you could also put suggested names, somebody you might know that you think would be a great pastor for us. So then um, step two or three, they filter that data, the district office does, and they're able to access data through um, Nazarene headquarters in Kansas City. And so what happened was they came up with this list of possible candidates. So we kind of set up boundaries. There was parameters. You had to be able to do this or, you know, we have 25 people on staff here, so we can't have somebody come here who's never managed staff, right? That would be kind of, talk about hit the ground running, zero to 25, that's fast. And so there were some parameters set up. And so we have spoken with a, a couple different, I say we, I haven't been a part of it at all because it's the church board and the district superintendent who do that. The church staff isn't a part of it at all. Um, they have spoken with several candidates, and honestly, we've gotten no so far. Here's the good news about that. If the Lord hasn't called them, we don't want them, right? That sounds harsh, but that's, that's not what I mean. They felt like they should stay exactly where they were. They were doing great work there, or they had just gotten to this assignment, and it was too, that was too quick. It would have been really hard on that church family. Isn't that what we want? And so I'm relieved that's not the right word. It's okay if somebody says no. I believe that they've prayed through it. We want the right person, right? We're trusting God to bring us the right person. And so if you look up on what's next, what is the process, you see your church board members are, and there's a list there. These people, if, you're, if you ever want to know what's going on, if you want to talk to an actual board member who's a part of things, they are listed there. What they will not do is talk to you about a name, because we need to be very careful about that. Um, we don't want to put anybody in jeopardy where they're at. We don't want to go before the Lord, do we? That's a bad place to be. <laughs> we want to be following in step with what the Holy Spirit has for us, okay? So that's where we're at. So we're on step four. Um, we are talking to different people. We're praying about names. I keep using the word we. The church board and district superintendent are doing that, okay? So those are the people involved in the decision-making process. And as things progress, I will let you know that so that we're all, we all know where we're at, okay? I would say any questions, but I don't really want any right now. Okay, so if you, if you have any, though, um, the church board would be happy to answer them. And I'm, um, I happen to be very close with the church board secretary, so he shares different things with me <laughs> as far as just how far they are in the process. So um, I'm, I'm staying up on, I don't know any specifics, but I'm staying up on um, the situation, okay? So that's where we're at. Uh, the church staff is killing it. They are amazing. Have you, aren't they? Yes, they are amazing. So if you go um, in refuge at 1030, there's going to be incredible Sunday school classes. If you go in kids zone right now, there are little kids, there are elementary kids, there are preteens, everybody's learning about Jesus. Because you know what we don't do here? We don't babysit. We do kingdom work. Um, did you see the incredible, uh, when you drive, so I, when I pull in, I always go all the way by the church and come in the back. Because it's kind of like, 
ah, as you drive by it. Have you seen our grounds? Dave and Don Milam are killing it out here, man. It is beautiful. And I include Don because I don't ever see Dave on a lawnmower. It is Don out here on the lawnmower <laughs> all the time. They, they are doing incredible work. Our church board is doing incredible work. These people are everywhere. They're making sure things are right. They're making sure our finances are right. So I just want you to know nothing has stopped here. We are moving and grooving. There are people who still don't know Jesus, so we got work to do, right? So when you think about who are we, what can we do, how are we? We're praying, but this is who we are. About a year and a half ago, the staff got together and said, what's our mission? Who are we, what are we? We are Pekin First Nazarene. We're known, we're valued, and, we pur and we're purposed. At PFN, we create environments where people consistently experience God and are equipped and empowered to reach their full potential in Christ. That is my greatest desire for you. That when you come here, you would not only know Jesus, but you would be known. You would feel valued and you would have an opportunity to value another person. And you would find your purpose here. Now, is it the end all of your purpose? No, but you would find a purpose, right? I worked with a group of people on Friday to help Pekin Township. We helped Pekin District 108. We helped Peoria School District that day. We did stuff for our district teenagers that day. And th that was a group of maybe about 10 people. Those people had purpose, man. We had a lot of stuff to do that day. So this is why, that is why we exist. Don't miss it, okay? We exist so that people can know Jesus, they can feel value, and they can find their purpose. We want that for you. We want that for everybody who comes here, everybody who listens here, everybody who watches online. We want them to feel that. All right, okay, let's preach, okay? I was joking, by the way, when I said that earlier about we have a great preacher, I was just teasing. Okay, uh, my friend Nathan's gonna come. He's gonna help us this morning. So next week, so that you know, some of you are reading through Acts with us. Next week is Pastor Jake, our newly ordained Reverend Jake Smith. He's asked for us to call him Grand Potentate. We said, no. Um, <laughs> Not really, he didn't really ask us to do that. Um, he's preaching from Acts chapter four, verses one through 31. So if you're kind of tracking us, that's the scripture that you could be reading to be ready for next week. So this week, we're gonna be in Acts chapter three. It's split into two sections. There's a miracle at the beginning, a sermon at the end. So Peter and John and kind of their whole crew, they were amazing. If a crowd gathered because a miracle or something was happening, those guys had a sermon, man. They were ready every time. And so that's what we're gonna study today, Nathan's going to read the beginning of Acts chapter 3 for us. One day, Peter and John were going out to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him, them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. 
Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all of the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day that we can all join together. And in this time, it's not a guarantee. Um, Thank you that we can, I hope, (laughs) thank you that we have this sense of community about us. And I hope today that we can really understand our scripture in different ways than we've heard it before. And listen with our ears, but also our hearts to open up and receive whatever God is trying to say to us through the scripture. And in your name I pray, amen. Appreciate it. I, uh, I have a heart for young leaders, and Nathan's one of those. It's very exciting to me what's happening in our youth group. Uh, if you missed last week about the report from our mission trip, I would encourage you to go back and watch that. A lot of wonderful things are happening in our youth group, and Nathan's definitely one of those. Uh, so chapter three goes on to include this incredible gospel sermon by Peter uh, for the crowd that gathered together uh, to see this healed man. But before we get to that, I just kind of want to break down these first 10 verses together, okay? So Peter and John, these guys were super disciples, okay? Peter, James, John, when you read in scripture, it was the disciples. And then if Jesus kind of went off by himself, he took those three guys with him. So they're like super disciples, right? But they're still going to the temple to pray every day. Isn't that interesting? So are we as super disciples, are we praying every day? Are we seeking what God has for us? It's a good word. Um, The Jewish people near the temple would have gone three times every day, 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m. to go and pray. And 3 p.m. was kind of a good time slot because that's where they did um, all of their sacrifices. So that was a really important time. So there would have been a lot of people headed down that road uh, during that time. Uh, For a Jewish person, there were three things that were kind of like the foundations of their faith, their religious rhythms, all right? And we're gonna talk about those, but before we do, let's talk about what our normal rhythms are, our normal religious rhythms, okay? So what, is, what does it look like at PFN? What does it look like at Summit? What does it look like at Southside? My guess is they're all a little bit different, right? Um, did you know, I didn't bring it up here, but did you know we have uh, an order of service down to the minute that we follow each week? Now, we have all prayed, (laughs) we have all studied, and we know for sure that if God doesn't show up, we're in big trouble. But we do believe that he's asked us to have some of these foundations of faith, like a religious rhythms, okay? So, um, we welcome everyone, Uh, we sing songs of praise and thanksgiving, we take an offering, we pray, we hear a sermon straight from God's word, Sometimes we respond to that sermon in some way. Sometimes we take communion together. When Pastor Irene preached just a few weeks ago, took communion together. Sometimes we take in new members or we baptize people. We're always trying to find ways to serve individually and serve together. Um, So those are kind of our religious rhythms, right? Those are our foundations of faith. But it's different in different churches. It looks a little bit different. So when I was in college, um, I was a teacher. And so I did my student teaching And in the building I was at, there was a girl next door who was also a student teacher, and we became good friends, and we found out that we were both Jesus girls. And so we would talk about that a lot, and then we found some other real teachers in the building who loved Jesus, and we would have prayer together in the mornings before school started. It was pretty cool. Uh, One Sunday, my friend said, will you go to church with me? And I said, sure. 
So I went with her, and it was a very, like, liturgical kind of church, kind of traditional, and people were kneeling and talking out, and I was like, oh, so I just sat still because I didn't want to mess anything up. And then by the end of the sermon, um, they did the Lord's Prayer, and I was like, yes, I know this one. So I started saying it with them, and I was really excited to be a part of it until the very end of it, because they end it different than we do. And so in full voice, I'm, for thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever, amen? Because nobody else was talking, right? And then she came to church with me one time, and people said amen. And a few people raised their hand, and two or three people stood up during worship, and they weren't even invited. And she leans over to me and said, what is happening? (laughs) And I said, that's the Holy Spirit moving. Then we went with one of our teacher friends. She was awesome. And she went to this black church in Peoria, so we went with her. And during the sermon, the pastor says, find someone you don't know and greet them. Okay, we were the two white people in the whole church. And so these people turned. (laughs) Now you may not know this about me, but I'm an extrovert. And so, (laughs) so as they turned and came and they were incredible, they were so kind and hugging us and shaking hands. And my friend was over like having a full on heart attack, man. She was like, what's happening? It was awesome. I loved it. They were so welcoming, but every church has a little bit different a religious rhythm, right? A little bit different foundation of faith. And so if you were a Jewish person, you had three main foundations of faith. You studied the Torah. The Torah might have also been called the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. And these people studied it, man. Many of them had entire books, chapters memorized. So they studied the Torah and they, they tried to live by it as best they could. Number two was worship. That involved prayer, that involved sacrifices, so they spent a lot of time worshiping. And number three was showing kindness. So um, some people would say giving alms, you might see that in scripture. I had to look up alms because I didn't really know exactly what that meant. Um, And it was if there was an impoverished person or an ill person, you tried to do helpful things for them. Sometimes you gave them money, sometimes you gave them food. Some people even maybe took them to the doctor or tried to get them places, okay? Many of you are excellent at giving alms. That's just a normal part of your religious rhythm. That's what you do daily. So it's pretty cool to watch. So in verse two, we meet this really savvy guy, all right? Scripture says some people were bringing a lame man to the gate called Beautiful so he could beg. So there was literally a gate going into the temple area, and the gate was called Beautiful. So there's different gates you could enter in. This one was called Beautiful. That's where he went every day. So he knew he's a smart guy, lots of people are going to be coming by at 3 p.m. because that's when sacrifices were going to be made. So maybe they would be in a showing kindness kind of mood, right, and give him some alms. So he was begging for money as they came by. He's just getting situated in his normal spot when he saw Peter and John. So these guys went to the temple every day, and the lame man came to the temple every day, came to the gate. Um, He did what he did every day, he asked for money. So his, honestly, his expectations were probably pretty low. Um, He was just going through the motions that he went through every day. It's just normal. Do you ever go to Sam's Club or to Walmart or to a shopping center, and when you walk in, you see the cable salesman or the phone person, and you catch their eye, 
and they say, good morning, do you have a few moments? How's your cable provider? Are you happy with it? <laughs> and you're just keeping walking like, <laughs> because, because I'm an extrovert, um, I try to make sure as much as I can that my resting face is smiling. You ever think about your resting face? You might wanna, because some of us aren't real pretty, okay? <laughs> your, my resting face is smiling. I like to make eye contact with people, which sometimes freaks people out. I like to say, good morning, hello. Except for these guys, right? Because then I made eye contact, and then you're like, oh, it's the cable guy, shoot! Because nobody's happy to see them, right? And John, this guy, walks in, head down, <laughs> never makes eye contact with anybody, never has to talk to anybody, because he's a coward. So, <laughs> but, so I made eye contact with him. So that is exactly what happens, all right? Peter and James make eye contact with the lame guy. That's what happens. And the lame guy's like, yes, they're looking right at me. This is perfect. So his expectations, I think, kind of rise. Uh, you know that feeling, right? When somebody makes eye contact and you think, I'm going to get something, and you kind of, you get that feeling. So when our grand girls come over, uh, Eleni's almost three years old, and she comes into the kitchen and says, Nana, I have fruit necks. And I say, you have to go ask your mommy. So she goes into the front room and says to Brittany, ask, that's my favorite. She doesn't say, she has no idea what she's asking. She just says, ask. So Brittany yells from the front room, what's she asking for, Nana? And I say, fruit snacks. And so she says, sure. And so when Eleni comes back into the kitchen, that kid's expecting fruit snacks, right? So when they made eye contact, that lame man is like, yes, they're looking right at me. This is perfect. Okay, so his expectations rise. Um, then they, Peter says to him, look at us. So not only did he catch their eye, but Peter's like, I want your undivided attention, mister. Look right at me. And then this is what Peter says. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So first of all, the lame guy was probably like, ah, I just wanted some money, doggone it. <laughs> because he just wanted to continue to live. He wanted to maintain his lameness. Do you hear that? He just wanted to maintain his lameness. He didn't really realize there was anything more. So much more. We go on to verse seven and it says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So Peter and John grab him to help him up. Some translations even say they seized him. That seems a little, doesn't it, with intention? They seized him. But you see what happens there? He's willing to be grabbed, right? Are you grabbable? I was thinking about that. I'm not, I'm not sure I always am. Are you willing to be grabbed from somebody else? Because honestly, he could have said, hey, fellas, quit messing with me. I've been like this for 40 years. My feet have never worked. That's not cool to ask me to get up and walk. Instead, he put his hand up. He was willing to be grabbed to get up. I think that's pretty amazing. Um, I have plantar fasciitis. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's terrible. And when you sit very long, your feet get really stiff. And then when you stand up, you kind of walk like this for about 10 steps until they loosen up. 
So if I have responsibilities during the service, if you sit near us, John sees it every Sunday, and I'm supposed to make announcements or whatever, I will sit in my seat and circle my feet so that when I go to stand up, I don't look like, here I come to make announcements, okay? So I cannot imagine 40 years of atrophy. Feet never working. There was no muscle tone there at all. There was no strength there at all. I just can't imagine. And they said instantly his feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. I think he might have looked a little something like this. Can you see him? Can you see him in the temple courts? I gotta tell you, he was not acting very dignified, right? The people who went to the temple expected sort of this level of dignified people, he wasn't it. Because he was jumping and walking around and praising God. Uh, The proper response though to healing is always thanksgiving. It's always joy, it's always praise. And I can just imagine, can't you? He'd be like, I'm walking, (laughs) I can walk backwards. Look at that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can run, I can dance, I'm so excited. He had to have been so excited. From the outer court where the gate beautiful, where he always sat all the way into the inner court where he was going, there were nine gates to go through. Can you imagine all the people he would have passed by? And he was, he was making a ruckus, right? He was going through and he was so happy and so excited. Think about this. I never really understood this, but it makes sense. He had never been allowed in the temple before because he wasn't considered whole. So he went from 40 years outside the temple, sitting there begging for things, to walking all the way to the inner temple where he had never been allowed before, but now he was whole. Whew, that's amazing. And I gotta tell you, when I was studying for this and thinking about this, I don't think I ever would have been allowed in our church except for Jesus. Because Jesus made me whole. You think about how transformed you are. We can come in here and we can worship together because of Jesus, right? We can welcome other people who aren't quite there yet because of Jesus. Oh, I love it. I'm so, I'm so happy about that. Um, so everyone at the temple sees him. Word spreads quickly. Isn't that the guy who was always sitting at the gate? Isn't he lame anymore? Who did that? What's going on? And the people could see the difference, not just now that he could walk, but literally that he was transformed. And he was excited and full of joy, just like Jesus wants us to live our lives for him. So how's your excitement level about your spiritual life? Are you like, I'm a Christian? Are you like, I'm a Christian, praise God. Okay, how's your joy about serving God? Because he's a great God, isn't he? He's literally transforms our, transformed our lives. So earlier, my friend Nathan read through the first part of chapter three. The second part of Acts chapter three is this uh, appeal or this sermon that Peter had uh, with all the crowd watching because quite a crowd had gathered to see all that was happening. So let's look at that. Um, he, so this healed guy, he's going in with Peter and John and he's holding on to them because they're not going anywhere without him, right? He's just learning how to walk. So maybe they're helping him a little bit, but also they're the guys who healed him. 
So you know who I'd stick with? The guys who healed me, right? So that's who he's sticking close to. He's going through. Um, Peter immediately lets all these people know who healed this guy, and it wasn't him, and it wasn't John, because they don't have the power, right? He also, Peter is wondering a little bit, because many of these people had seen Jesus perform, Jesus in the flesh perform miracles. So he's wondering why, why they were wondering who healed this man. So this is his sermon, okay? Number one, he tells them that Jesus is the servant of the Lord, the servant of the Lord. And you'd find that in chapter three, verses 13 and 26. That's what those numbers are behind. Okay, that's all in the book of Acts. Uh, Jesus, the servant, they never called him Jesus in the Old Testament, but the servant of God had been talked about all the way through the Old Testament. And so when we meet Jesus, he causes us to want to serve how he treats people, what he does, makes us want to serve other people. So in Mark 10:45, it says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Praise the Lord. So he's a servant. Number two, Jesus was glorified by God. So God helped people to see that Jesus was his son and, and he brought him glory. That's pretty amazing. Number three, Jesus is the holy and righteous one. Righteous is that blank. Now this caused a lot of controversy, okay? Because during that time and even now, religions teach that people work for righteousness. The gospel message so unique to Christianity, however, says uh, that people work from Christ-given righteousness. It's different, isn't it? I'm really trying to work for it. I'm really trying to become righteous. I have been made righteous but why, by what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me, and now I do for others from that. That's a complete difference, isn't it? So it was causing a lot of controversy, even as Peter was speaking it. People were like, oh, I don't know, is that right? I don't know, I don't know if I agree with that. So there was controversy about that. Um, the great news is he's already dealt with your greatest problem. So if you're thinking, I don't know if I can trust Jesus today, he has already dealt with your sin. All you get to do is receive the gift of his forgiveness. Pretty good deal. Number four, he is the source. That's that blank. He is the source of life. Apart from Jesus, there is no life. We can still stay alive physically, but spiritually, we have no life apart from Jesus. Uh, Colossians 1, 16 through 17 says, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. I can feel that so clearly about our church I know we're just part of creation, but he holds it all together. I can feel that every day. Aren't we grateful for that? He's holding it all together. And then John chapter one, verse four says, the word, word is capitalized there because it's talking about Jesus. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Boy, are we grateful. Number five, he rose from the dead. Christ's resurrection validated all of Jesus's claims and it proved that he is actually the source of life. Number six, Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament, 
Old Testament prophecy and promises. There's all kinds of promises in the Old Testament. And Jesus is like, comes and is this gift with the bow on top. It's all Jesus. It all points to this Messiah who came for us. So the only thing left for them to do was to own their part in the suffering of Jesus and repent from their wicked ways. So number seven is repent. Uh, Verse 19 from chapter three of Acts says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So our ability even to repent is this gracious gift from God. And there are three benefits of genuine repentance. Um, Before we get to those, let's talk about what repentance is. So we've got God over here, his ways, his things. And we've got the world, we've got my choices, um, the things I wanna do. And at some point in my life, Um, in your life, because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's an even playing field. All of us have chosen to walk away from God and his things and walk towards what we want. Every time taking a step, we're disobeying, right? Get that picture? And then at some point in our life, when we experience true repentance, it's a turning. It's a turning from what I want, turning back to God. Now, In my younger years, I could picture God back there. And when I turned towards him, I was like, I just want to be with him. I I want to be his girl. But boy, that's a long ways. So I'm trying, I'm striving to get back to him. This is what John has taught me. He's a very wise man. He's a coward, like we talked about, but he's a wise man. So... (laughs) As I'm walking away from God, right, I'm making my own choices. Picture the turn. Because when I turn, God's not over there, he's right here. Because he's been pursuing you all the way through. I don't care where you walk, I don't care what you choose to do, he is right on your tail, man. Because he's pursuing you. So think about the people you're praying for. Think about your loved ones, people that mean so much to you, and you know they're not following Christ, and you get a little nervous about that, you start wringing your hands, you're praying for them. Picture the day they turn, he's right there. That's good news today, isn't it? And that's what repentance looks like. So when they talked about total forgiveness, what is genuine repentance? What are the three things about it? Total repentance. So. In biblical times, they used parchment. Kind of looked fancy, like this paper. But it was expensive. And so they had this kind of ink that like sat on top of the paper and they would write on it. Then they were done with that meeting. They would take a little wet sponge and wipe it off and they'd be able to reuse it. That's pretty good, right? So it would be wiped away. Um, when, When we talk about... I'm losing myself here. When we talk about your list of sins and how it'd be wiped away, I was picturing that parchment, but I don't really have any cool paper like that, but we have these cool whiteboards now, right? So I put all my current sins on the board. Not really. I haven't even done any of those. Okay, maybe some of them. But um, when I was writing them, uh, Pastor Kim was out here, and can you guys see this too? So we got murder. Okay, so I said, Jake, can you read these from up there? Because I want to make sure you could see them. 
So he read through murder, gossip, bank robbery, lying, gluttony, and Steve Kistner's up in the band and he says, these are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> it's fantastic. He's so funny. But when I was writing these, Pastor Kim was like, ouch, 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 right? Maybe none of us have murdered. Fingers crossed, right? <laughs> that would be good. But as we read through these things, we're thinking about our sins and how in the world am I gonna, ever going to shake my list of sins? How in the world am I going to go back and fix these things? How am I ever going to carry the shame that comes with it or even the fear about my own future? How am I going to live through that? When somebody walks in the room and erases it, Now, when I was using this eraser, I thought, that's a terrible eraser, because I can still see it. That's how I erase. You think about yourself. That's how I erase my sins, right? Because I know I'm forgiven, but I can still see it. I still know deep in my heart I'm a gossip. I'm gonna struggle with lying. I'm gonna struggle with gluttony. Deep in my heart, I can't quite get rid of it, but then, the Holy Spirit comes with his wet wipes, right? And he can get it all the way gone. Praise the Lord. Right? So many times I've tried to clean myself up and this is what I get, right? But he comes and he's like, no, no, I got this, Cheryl. I can fully erase that for you. I can give you a new future, a new hope for your future. So be encouraged by that. Okay, I gotta close this or the Holy Spirit's gonna be dry next service. Okay, <laughs> all right. So um, he also, during um, complete forgiveness like that, there's spiritual refreshment. Whew, that was the month of July for me, was spiritual refreshment rest, um, where you could kind of have relief of the burdens that you bear. Some of you are carrying stuff way too big for you, way too big. And you can feel that all the time. Feel the relief of that. At night when you go to sleep, you just cozy up next to Jesus and you pray and you lay all that in his lap and go to sleep. Go to sleep. Find some rest and some relief in him in the forgiveness that you've experienced with him. And then a, a universal restoration. Boy, I'm excited about this because the hope of Christ is that he's gonna restore all things. That's what scripture tells us. We can be so happy about that. So guess what? We're gonna find out in chapter four what happened with that sermon. And spoiler alert, it's really good. So good things are gonna happen next week, all right? So the man in this story is not simply broke. He is broken. He's physically crippled, he's humiliated, he's hopeless, and to make things worse, he's been that way for 40 years. So he's lived this way for decades. And now he's healed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. It had to be his name because Peter and John didn't have the power to do it, right? They could, there's no way they could pull that off from themselves because there was nothing intrinsically worthy about Peter or John or the lame guy. It had to all be Jesus. Peter and John had passed this man many times, and they never healed him before. So why this day? Why today, when they'd seen him over and over again? 
The faith to heal him came through Jesus. So the living Jesus did something in Peter and Peter knew today is the day. So when he said, what I have, I give to you. I think that translates to today. I've been given something really special for you. And Jesus has just given me the faith to speak healing to you. And now I'm going to give this gift to you. So rise and walk. It had to be the right time when the lame man was ready, when Peter and John were filled with the Holy Spirit, because Jesus always knows the right time. So if you're wondering why hasn't it happened, when you look back, you'll say that was the right time, because Jesus always knows the right time. Tony Meredith states, this miracle came because the all-powerful Savior decided to intervene and perform a wonder. You see, Jesus is on the throne ruling and reigning, and he can decide to intervene and perform a miracle whenever he wants to. <laughs> It's good to know, isn't it? So why do you think it says of Nazareth? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Because Jesus was born in Bethlehem, right? But he was raised in Nazareth. And several times in scripture it says, can anything good come from Nazareth? So I've been thinking about this. It wasn't a popular place, didn't have a good reputation. How many of us feel that? It didn't come from a good place. I'm not really in a good place now. I didn't come from a great family. I came from extreme poverty. Maybe when I look up the word dysfunction in the dictionary, my family's picture is there. Like I can feel the weight of that. I have so much shame in my life from different things I've experienced. So if you feel like today, half of my life I've been lame. This guy lay there for 40 years. Half of my life I've been lame and I'm from the wrong side of the tracks. I'm from Nazareth, from the wrong place. This story's for you. This scripture is for you. Let's look at this from another angle. This man laid outside the temple for decades. He went to church, to church, to the temple over and over and over again. And he was never healed until that day. So can I ask you a question? What's your walk with Christ look like? Because you know what? You can come to church every single week and still be lame. Still not be living the life that God has called you to. Every single week you can be here. Is this what good people do? Let's not be that. Let's not be lame. This story is a sobering reminder that what they did for many, because just a few chapters ago, they, they, 3,000 people joined their church. It wasn't 3,000 that day, it was one. One person. So we focused on the crowd and the one person because they both matter. They both matter. So some questions today. Are you grabbable? Are you willing to lay down your lameness and stand up? Are you, uh, do you recognize the power that comes from the name, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth? Because his name equals power. Who needs you to give them what they need? You have it, you give them what they need. Because give is a grace word, right? Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. That's full of grace. Who needs you to grab them? It's a weird question to ask in church, but it's appropriate, right? Who needs you to grab them? Verse seven, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, they were constantly with this guy, grabbing this guy. All the people were astonished and came running to them. Are you willing to be a Peter? Are you willing to be a John? Not just help them up, but stick with them till you can walk on your own, till they can walk on their own. It's a good question, right? Because I think in the past, I've been very willing to grab 
I haven't been overly grabbable, right? Maybe that's different for you. I want you to think about those questions today. Here's where it comes down. Do you think the lame man was nervous about this? Do you think Peter and John kind of had their doubts about what was going to happen? Because I want to talk to you about what Jesus has. And this is in your sermon notes. This is about Jesus. All authority. He has authority over Satan and all demons, over all angels, good and evil, over the natural universe, natural objects, and laws and forces, stars, galaxies, planets, meteorites, authority over all weather systems, winds, rains, lightning, thunder, hurricanes, tornadoes, monsoons, typhoons, cyclones, authority over all their effects, tidal waves, floods, fires, authority over all molecular and atomic reality, atoms, electrons, protons, neutrons, undiscovered subatomic particles, quantum physics, genetic structures, DNA, chromosomes, authority over all plants and animals, great and small, whales and redwoods, giant squid and giant oaks, all fish, all wild beasts, all invisible animals and plants, bacteria, viruses, parasites, germs, authority over all the parts and functions of the human body, every beat of the heart, every breath of the diaphragm, every electrical jump across a million synapses in our brains, authority over all nations and governments, congresses and legislatures and presidents and kings and premiers and courts, authority over all armies and weapons and bombs and terrorists, authority over all industry and business and finance and currency, authority over all entertainment and amusement and leisure and media, over all education and research and science and discovery, authority over all crime and violence, over all families and neighborhoods, and over the church and over every soul and every moment of every life that has ever been or ever will be lived. Now, when you truly believe that, you believe that Jesus is in control of all things and he is with you, then the way you pray, the way you live, the way you serve, the way you share the gospel will change. Not should change, it will change. Last question. How should the authority of Jesus, what we just read, impact the way you live? Because if it doesn't, it's time. Because it should. There is a confidence that comes from being God's girl that can't come from anywhere else. I can't be talented enough. I can't have enough character to pull it off. It has to be Jesus. When I prayed earlier, and I prayed for all those government leaders, they can't do what they've asked, been asked to do without Jesus. So are we praying that they would do it with Jesus? When you're wondering about your kid, or your husband, or your grandfather, whoever it is in your family that you're praying for, praying for, remember that you go with the authority of Jesus to that person. And the love that you're expressing into their life is life-changing, life-transforming, life-saving. And so we can go in with confidence, right? Praise the Lord. Well, let's pray together. Daddy, I thank you for helping me today. I thank you for the scripture. I thank you for Nathan. I think that you would speak to us in such a clear and transforming way. Oh Lord, I don't want to be lame. 
I don't want to be the person who comes to church week after week and, and no life change happens. There's too much, there's too much power there that I could that I could tap into. And so I thank you for that, that you would send Peter and John in my life. They've had different names, but they've been the people, many of them sitting right here, who have grabbed me and helped me up and said, you can do better than that, Cheryl. Let's walk together and I'll show you how. Know that I'll pray for you, Cheryl. Know that I'm gonna be here to help you. I'm also gonna hold you accountable to these next steps that you need to take. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's made all the difference for me. Would I have enough courage to be that for another? Would I recognize that all the authority on heaven, in heaven, on earth, has been given to you and that I can live out of confidence in that? And God, thank you for clearing my whiteboard because there's times still where I can kind of see it, but you come through with your sweet Holy Spirit and you say, remember, Cheryl, we're done with that. We're living a new transformed life. Help me to encourage that and see that and allow that in other people too. You're a great God, Lord, worthy of our praise and we thank you for meeting with us here today. Would you go with us as we go out and help us to be your sons and daughters in such a visible way this week that our life transformation would show out loud to the people we come into contact with. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming to church today, you guys. Appreciate it. Good to see you.